Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about precision teaching, and I figure who better to talk about precision teaching than somebody who knows a whole lot about it. So I'm going to let my co-host introduce herself now. Thanks. Um, so my name is Kelly Russell. Um, I am a student of ABA. So I, um, like Nicole, finished my master's a bit ago. I'm working on my fieldwork hours. And um, my placement for my fieldwork hours is in a clinical setting um, that uses precision teaching. So I work part-time in that um, clinical setting. And then I also work full-time in a therapeutic day school setting as an instructional coach. Um, so yeah, my, um, my experience with precision teaching is in that uh, part-time clinical setting. Can you explain what precision teaching is? And I think some people get stuck on what precision, like why precision teaching isn't just the same thing as teaching in general. Do you think you can kind of explain the difference between the two? Totally. Um, so precision teaching was developed by Ogden Lindsley in the 1960s. He was a student of B.F. Skinner. Um, and kind of like the definition of precision teaching is that it's a design for pinpointing, measuring, uh, displaying, evaluating, and analyzing behavior and data. So said another way, it's the application of scientific principles of learning. So it takes all of those ABA principles and applies it to learning and acquisition of skills. And so what does your role look like when you say that you're a precision teacher? Like what, what, what does that look like in your sessions? Yeah, so um, there's kind of a couple of um, guiding principles of precision teaching. Um, so the, there's basically four main principles that, um, that encompass this strategy. Um, so those would include the learner knows best. Um, if your learner is not making gains, um, then there's something within your environment that needs to be manipulated, which is um, very in line with what we know in ABA. Um, the next one is that it focuses on observable behavior. So if you can observe it um, and measure it, then you can count it. And that's what we would focus on in precision teaching. And we use a lot of continuous measurement. So everything that we can see and capture, we can count. Um, and that's what we would record. Um, the third one is that we use frequency as our measure of performance. And then last, we use the standard acceleration chart. So I think that's um, the one thing that makes us really unique is that um, precision teaching uses that standard acceleration chart um, to chart behavior, which is really cool because you can literally chart anything um, on this standard display. So unlike um, inputting data into, say, Excel and um, populating an Excel graph, the standard acceleration chart looks the same every single time. So no matter what your data says, you're just plotting it onto that chart, and it's going to show you what the um, what the what the behavior was, and show you kind of where your growth is. So for me, in my role as a precision teacher, um, a lot of the skills and programs that I would work on with my clients are the same things that any other school or clinic would probably work on. Um, I would say what makes it most unique is that we use the standard acceleration chart to chart all of our data. And a lot of our programs are run using fluency-based instruction. So what that looks like is we would program um, for, let, let me just give an example. Let's say I wanted to program for um, tacting. So I have my tacting set for my client. Um, and maybe I have a PowerPoint uh, presentation with our slides of tacting targets. 
and I'm gonna um, capture how many targets that client can tag in a set amount of time. Um, so let's say I was gonna do a 15 second timing. So for 15 seconds, I'm gonna have that client go through those slides and tag as many as they can within that time period. So that's gonna tell us, um, it's just one of, one of the ways that we're gonna be able to predict fluency of that skill. So I think that use of fluency-based instruction and then charting all of that data on the standard acceleration chart is kind of what makes precision teaching unique. Okay, that's a really good explanation. I like that you kind of type in fluency because even people who have 100 precision have probably heard of fluency. And yep. so you know how with discrete trials, it's not, that's not a great fit for every client. Is this the same thing or can precision teaching really be used with like any client in any program or how do you determine what clients and programs would fit well with this model? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that precision teaching can be used with any learner. Um, and something that precision teaching uses are learning channels. So think about a learning channel is just a different way, different ways that you receive um, information or output information. So the example that I just gave of a tacting program would be um, would be applicable for a learner that is vocal verbal and can ident visually identify a stimuli and then their output would be vocally saying the response. But there are lots of other learning channels. So if your student is not vocal and verbal, you might do something different. So let me just um, talk a little bit about what some different learning channels can look like. So that example that I gave of tacting would be a see say. So they're seeing the stimuli and then they're saying the answer. So some other ones could be um, a hear do. So they hear an instruction and then they do a task. And so um, you can use all of these different types of learning channels with different types of learners that have different strengths. So um, that's one thing that's really cool about precision teaching is that um, you don't have to, there's so many things that go into it and there's so many different um, kind of uh, cool things that you can pull out of it, but you can pick the things that are that are going to be applicable for your learner and help them grow and help them with that skill acquisition. So you don't have to always, you know, program in the same learning channel. It's actually better if you have a variety of learning channels so that they have an opportunity um, to learn and to show their learning in different ways. Um, so I hope that answers your question. It does, yes. And so we know with fluency that we're really looking for accuracy plus speed. And precision teaching is kind of the same concept, correct? Yep, yep. So um, something that's worth noting about the term fluency. So a lot of times fluency is equated with precision teaching, which is definitely accurate. Um, we're looking at that rate of acquisition so that we can predict when a skill is fluent. And so when a lot of people think of the term fluent, you might think of words like um, done quickly, effortlessly, fast, um, and things like that. And something that we would do in precision teaching to be able to predict fluency um, are fluency checks. So we would run a fluency check on programs when we have enough data to support that a student might be, or a learner might be at mastery of a skill. And so in order to predict fluency, it's not only that you have to be fast at the skill, right? So um, we would run what's called fluency checks and there's four types of checks. So the first one is a retention check and a retention check tells us that a skill retains over time. 
So to be able to be fluent in a skill, you have to know it today and you have to know it three weeks from today. So you might pause a program for a couple of weeks and then run the same program, you know, weeks later to see if that skill retained. Um, the second check would be uh, an endurance check. So um, similarly, to be fluent in a skill, the skill must endure over a longer period. So the example I gave earlier was a 15 second timing. If I want to test um, to see if a learner can endure that skill, I might increase that timing length to 30 seconds or 45 seconds to make sure that that skill can endure. The third check would be a stability check. And that's another predictor of fluency. If you're fluent in a skill, it's stable in the face of distraction. So we can have this conversation and I might hear a lawnmower running outside or I might hear a TV in the other room. So there's another type of distraction in your environment, but you can still maintain the fluency of that skill. So what that might look like in programming is I might program for that CSA tacting program with some type of video playing in the background and make sure that the learner can maintain that skill at the same rate. And then the last fluency check is application. So, can, and this is similar to generalization, right? So can this skill um, maintain fluent at the same rate in different settings, with different stimuli, with different people, or um, in a different learning channel. So those are kind of the four um, different predictors of fluency. So while precision teaching is often equated with fluency, we're not necessarily charting fluency on the, on the standard acceleration chart. There are all of those other things that would go into predicting if that skill is fluent. That's really good information and some good tips that teachers might be able to pull out as well. And if you are a teacher listening to this and maybe you're not doing programming the way we are, but you're still interested in precision teaching, one way to think about it is you definitely want skills that could be a little bit more precise. So if you have a child that's maybe working on telling time, that might be more appropriate of telling time to the hour. But if you have a child working on multi-step word problems, this is not gonna be an effective strategy because multi-step word problems naturally take a while to process. So when you're looking at programs in your classroom or IEP goals in your classroom, kind of think of ones that, like we said at the beginning, she gave an example of a 15 second timing. So think of goals that would be realistic to be done in those shorter timings. If a teacher is wanting to look to pull this in for some of those more base level skills, do you have any recommendations on how they could get started in their classroom? Yeah, so I also want to mention that um, with, I think that's a great example that you gave and that some, some of these skills are bigger and you can't really program for them in that short amount of time. But if you think about the skill um, as kind of a big bubble and that there are small bubbles that go into them. So maybe you're programming for, um, for a larger skill like that and you're, you're not seeing the progress that you would want, you could also break that down into a bunch of smaller skills and potentially program for those things in smaller increments. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, but in terms of advice for teachers, um, there's a lot of ways that you can um, implement things like this. And kind of like I mentioned in the beginning, um, you don't have to do, so I mentioned like the four kind of guiding principles of precision teaching. You don't have to do all of those things um, to utilize this strategy. You can pull out the things that might work for you. So um, if looking at your IEP goals in, in the terms of learning channels is helpful, then you can absolutely do that. Um, looking at those, um, 
definable and observable behaviors to be able to write your goals is so helpful. And that's one thing that's so great about precision teaching is that it's written in plain language. Um, this was, this strategy was really developed for teachers. Um, the standard acceleration chart fits 17 weeks of data, which is one semester. So that, that's why it was developed that way. So you could see one semester of data on one sheet. Um, unfortunately, it just really didn't take off in schools the way that it intended to, but there's just a lot of pieces that you can pull from um, that you, you would be able to use in your classroom. That's awesome. And that's so cool to hear. I think a lot of teachers feel like, you know, ABA can't be used in the classroom. But like you said, some of these were designed and right now I'm reading through the Cooper book and so many teacher examples are in there or classroom examples are in there. So it's definitely maybe feels a little daunting and hopefully this podcast helps you guys feel more confident in understanding what we mean when we say precision teaching. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Um, so just a couple of suggestions for resources if people want to learn more. The precision teaching community is pretty small, but um, I think that it's really easy to reach out and find people that are willing to help you and teach you and, um, you know, ways that you can learn to incorporate some of these things into your practice. So um, the Standard Acceleration Society is great. They have an Instagram page that you can follow um, and a great conference every year. Um, and then fluency.org is another great resource. Um, it's a website that's uh, maintained by Crawlbinder and has just tons of great um, resources. Um, and then the Morningside Academy is a school model that is based out of the state of Washington. And it's really incredible to read about. Um, they uh, have a summer school program that works with students, uh, gen ed students that are um, you know, one to three grade levels behind, and they have a money back guarantee that their students get on grade level within one summer, which is a pretty incredible claim. Um, so that's super interesting to learn about. Um, and then there's also, this is a newer podcast, but the ABA and OT podcast is a podcast that's hosted by a BCBA and an OT, and they talk a lot about precision teaching principles and how you can build, uh, you could use ABA principles and precision teaching to kind of build up um, different daily living skills. There's that OT perspective. It's super interesting and just a wealth of knowledge. So all of those are just great resources for anybody wanting to learn more. That's really exciting because I haven't heard of that podcast, but I will definitely check it out. And I will put all of the resources that Kelly just mentioned in the show notes. So you can just go click on the links and look at all that. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in.